0: Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. There
1: is a word especially for you when you think you're about to give up. Yeah, just read the Bible. It'll
2: tell you what to do. Good morning. Welcome. Again, to Free on the Inside, I'm your host, Mr. Joy Lewis, and you listen to another great show of Free on the Inside. This is an archived show with James Reese. We're going to be talking about re-entrance, uh, men's coming back into society after being released from a prison and jail for extended length of time. He's going to tell us about some programs and some things that are helpful, help uh, our men to stay out of jail to, to cut back the recidivism rate. Uh, which he was explain to you more about that. But kick back and relax. The college number uh, is 310 uh 4126 For today, this is an archive show, number 14 for the year 2019. Uh, enjoy this episode of Free on the Inside Archive Show with James Reed about the reentry program. Our founder, Sister Beverly Beasley, and her staff, over at Granny place which is a non-profit organization which is attempting to meet the needs of our young people, and we say attempting to reach the needs, God. We know that those things may change, but we want to be in the flow of things. So you know what? what you know, because this is a religious program, and we serve a God that changes not, but you know He changes things in the in the frame in the uh, let's say in the fullness where we can accept those things. Our God is the same, but the things around us change and guess what? God is aware of that, and God is okay about that. and He's not intimidated. So we want to use the tools that we'll. Presented to make a difference in the world. This internet program, we pray that it makes a difference to the listener. This uh, the, the program that we offer, that we share with you. We pray that it makes a difference. We're being blessed for the last uh, few months with some great guests. We thank you for calling in. We thank you for your support. But we're going to continue to go on with the business at hand. I like to say hello to our uh, to our mentoring team over at the. Uh, dallas life foundation uh we was over there yesterday and we talked to several guys over there that's in the mentoring program and the guys are truly being blessed and uh they are they have a vision they have a goal they say hey we're going to make a difference and you know and before i go any further i'm going to give you this number i would like for you to call or speak to our guests we have a, a great guest coming up we have two guests coming up here matter of fact and but uh i would love for you to call in and just uh, say hello to our guests and ask them some questions here amen uh number the calling number is going to be 13109824126 again let me repeat that number it's going to be 13109824126 give us a call and just uh and just say hello to to me or say hello to our guests and we have a uh, Mr. James Reed is coming up here shortly he's from the churches the church prison coalition which is a program set up to help our uh our uh, ex-offenders in the aftercare program. Once they get out of out of jail, once they they time have been served, what you do next? You know, where where do I go? How do I get a job? How do I get an ID? How do I get back in the in the scheme of things here? How do I be productive in today's society? And that's what this program is all about: helping those that's less fortunate. Because guess what? Someone helped us. I didn't get here by myself. It was through the grace and the mercy of God, and it was by people that walked beside me and encouraged me and to challenge me to be all that I could be in Christ Jesus. We like to say hello to our uh, uh, church family, uh, Shady Grove Baptist Church, Pastor Morgan his, and uh, First Lady, Sister Yolanda Morgan. Good morning to you. Say hello to our jail ministry team, Sister McBride, Sister Gwendolyn Jackson, and our those that's associated with our women jail ministry. Like to say hello to our men uh, ministry jail ministry brother Ricky Henry. Good morning, our uh, brother Ricky Henry and Rev. Walker. God bless you, Rev. Walker. Rev. Walker is the head of our uh, Trinity Jail and Prison Ministry. He's been laboring for quite a number of years in the vineyard, and guess what? He hadn't finished yet. He's not tired yet, and he continually do the thing that God has put forth for him to do. And also, we like to say hello to Pastor Terry over at the First Free Will Baptist Church. As well, we host our computer training class, we've been going on over there for for a year and a half, and the young men are being blessed, and they're eager to come out uh, and to the computer class, and that is so, and that is a blessing because you know you ought to find something that you're excited about. You ought to find something that 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 drives you to do better and find something that you're willing to share with people. You know, I do a lot of ministry. Not occasionally I meet people that say, I
0: ain't gonna help
2: nobody, I ain't gonna I ain't gonna support nobody and it, it breaks my heart because you know, I remember somebody helped me, somebody supported me and they told me once I got myself together and I didn't really know what it was all about. They said, Man when you when you get yourself together you to go out and help somebody else And you know that same day Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter say that's permission to sift you but when you are restored, Peter, you to go and help somebody else, I got to thinking, man, you know, this is something that's already been selling in heaven, you know. And I got to think about the enemy. You know, the enemy don't want to just take everything from us all at once. He wants to sift us. He wants to take our joy. He want to take our peace. He wants to take our sanity. And you know what? All that stuff has a little attack for, you know. People say, man, you ain't like you used to be. Man, you don't handle things like you used to do. That's because we, it's been a sifting in our and I life, but glory be to God, and I'm going back to God now because this is a religious program, you know this is the information program, but we where we keep Christ uh in the in the center of everything that we do, you know there's a sifting going in there I mean, the programs like this and programs that we present to you is a uh, is set up to help you stop that sifting for you to be an encourager for you to be a help of so to someone else. Now, we're going to bring our guest on here shortly, but I did want to just say hello to our young men over at our computer training class. Pastor uh, Richard Terry, that's over there at the Free Will Baptist Church, They're located in the Duncanville area of Dallas. And now, I have to rem- uh, remind the listening audience and myself this is an Internet program. So, this program goes beyond Dallas County, it goes around the world. We had guests uh, from California, we had guests from Detroit, Michigan, we had guests from North Carolina. And guess what? You're our guest out so regardless of where you are now, you're part of this here program and you're part of this ministry, and we thank God for it. But as we get ready to uh, go on with the show, and uh, we just want to just continue to do what God asks us to do, we're going to uh, dial up our first guest here, Brother Reed here, and we're going to play this musical selection, and as he's up. Uh, and as we're calling him up, we would like for you to just be blessed and tell somebody about us, okay? Just take this moment to call up and say, Hey man, free on the inside is all man. They got a great guest on there. This young man's gonna come here and he's gonna talk about how to be involved in the jail and prison ministry And the aftercare program. He's with the church prison coalition and he's doing a great work in, in in the jail uh in the jail portion of society. So we wanna continually to support them and encourage them and also Allow them to be all they can be Amen And so as you listen to this song right here uh, We're calling up our uh, first guest
1: Ladies and gentlemen I want to introduce to you right now Young Donovan
2: He's 11 The problem we're facing right now Is we're losing our children Fathers we need you
0: Good morning, you're on the net Good
2: morning, Morning. you're on the net Good morning, uh, Mr. Reed, how you doing, sir?
3: Wonderful, how are you this morning?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you for being a guest on our weekly Internet broadcast, uh, Free on the Inside. And, Brother Reed, uh, Mr. Reed, would you please introduce yourself to our listening audience and tell us about the program and what you're involved in.
3: Yes, no problem. Um, I'm James Reed, and I work with a nonprofit organization called the Dallas Leadership Foundation. And the Dallas Leadership Foundation is an organization that does community development Strategic planning and strategic partnerships. My role there is I am the director of an organization called Church Prison Collaborative. And Church Prison Collaborative is designed to work with a number of churches across the board um, to work together to come out and do a comprehensive reentry, prison reentry uh, resource plan for people who are coming out of prison. Amen. All right,
2: great, great. Now tell me now, what is this uh, uh this program? How do uh it makes a difference on our inmates that are being released?
3: Okay. One of the very things that uh that we found that uh working with these offenders that is imperative that we must uh spend the time in terms of pre release wise. Now I want to say this is that there's a many of churches who are coming into the institutions and doing great things. And I really want to be able to give them um, the props. Uh, but the challenge is that um, the real question lies in where is the church when these individuals are being released? And so what we're trying to do is through this Church Prison Collaborative, we set up a a pilot program down at the Hutchins State Jail Unit whereas our faith based initiative program where we've gotten churches involved and taking these men who has have had a six month or nine month sentence left on their uh, on their sentence. And what we do is we bring these churches in and create these programs to where they can go through such as substance abuse programs, spiritual development uh, cognitive thinking, financial planning, parenting skills, and anger management. And so, what we do is that we set it up like a school. And these men go through these particular modules, uh, three times a day, two hours per day. Two, I mean, I'm sorry, two hours, uh, per class. And it's a five days a week class. And what we do is that, um, we do what we call a pre-assessment and post-assessment so we can begin to identify the impacts that we've made uh, since this individual have come into our program. And then once that is done, 30 days to 60 days before they get released, we do a transitional reentry plan that allows them to be able to look at the resources that they need and identify where and how those things could be accomplished. Now, once these individuals complete this program and they're getting ready to transition, we offer what we call post-release transitional services. And these post-release transitional services consist of housing, uh, where we provide housing, we get them closed, we help with their IDs, we help with driver's license, birth certificate, bus passes, cell phones, food. We get a match with a mentor. We take them through a work development program and then we track these individuals to really get a true evidence approach about how it's been impacted. Now, I can say this, truly, that what we found out was was that when these individuals go through this program, if these individuals receive transitional services that we provided, our program has had a 10% recidivism. And what we found that even when they didn't receive any of these services, the recidivism rose up to 40%. Hmm. So you can see the impact in terms of what happens when you are there working on the pre- and post-side. And that's why I really uh, I really like the fact that when these churches come on board and they get involved, that they understand the value of what it is. It's not that we're just coming in, to preach the gospel, but we need to make the gospel relevant to these people and that they can be able to see Jesus in a sense where it's not so much, and I don't want us to get me wrong here, is that when a man comes up to you in the prison and say, I need a pair of shoes, it shouldn't be all about, well, let's pray about it. Jesus, is, where he was the person who made things relevant, in people's lives. And I think that's what the church is really needs to get at is to make a reverence.
2: You're so right. You're so right. And as we uh, go down to the jails, and i have met you uh, different uh, occasions down there, that we know that there's a great need. Now, James, uh, now how would churches get involved in it? Was it large or small? A lot of times we know about the big mega churches getting involved in it. But also there's a need for the smaller, the homegrown churches to be actively involved in this type of ministry because, you know, that's where you get your growth at when you are when you can be a one-on-one mentor in, there in a small environment. How would a, a church get involved in something like this?
3: Well, what I try to do is, first of all, uh, I get a chance to meet with uh, the people who are uh, considered to be the leaders of the church. And what I try to do is uh, I I give them a a church survey to fill out because I want to really know in terms of what it is that they have been doing in terms of prison ministry, what they have not been doing in prison ministry, and what they desire to do in prison ministry. Do that survey helps me to begin to try to understand how we will be able to better go in and communicate some things to help them to get involved. And uh, the other thing is, is that um, in order for them to be able to get involved too, they have to get certified, and that means they have to go through the TDCJ volunteer training. And so once that is done. Um, then what we can do is we can talk about, based on the survey, talk about some of the things that they can possibly do in terms of their prison ministry, whether it is pre or whether it's post. Uh, normally what we try to do with churches who are just beginning in prison ministry, we try to really get them going during the post side because it really gives them the opportunity to work with people who are coming out of the prison system and then, once they get used to that, then we begin to start working with them inside the prison system. Because you know as well as I know, inside the institution is a whole other different world. And so yes, it is. Under, understanding that culture and understanding those very things, I think it would be helpful for them to understand the people first as opposed to understanding the system.
2: Hey, so, hey, hey, hey man, Yes.
3: So if, if they desire to want to get involved with that, you know, all we have to do is give me a call, and certainly we would uh, come and visit with them at their church and talk about the opportunities that we have, and um, take them through the process of being able to get certified uh, through the system. And then we, what we do is, is that we can be able to get them uh, committed to doing a project once a week down at their unit.
2: All right. Now you said something about you uh, know the, the inmate a mentor. How important it is to have them matched up with the right church because we know that you know sometimes we go there and we feel disconnected. Doing your survey and your observation, or you're attempting to reach the needs of the uh, uh, of the inmates through the church facility. How important it is to have a a matching uh, connection there.
3: Well, what we found out was too is that um, it didn't work. Uh, as strong as what we thought it was when the inmates got out of prison and then we began to start matching. And what I, what we found out was, was that the mentoring needs to begin on the pre-side.
1: Okay. And then
3: then the mentoring continues on the post-side. And what I say is because oftentimes when people get out of these prisons, um, we need to be able to really understand the mindset of these individuals once they get released understanding that they're coming out of an anti sociable environment and then they're coming into a pro-social lifestyle, we need to understand that coming from a place where you only made one or two decisions a day to a place where you have to make 50 or 60 decisions a day, it's really a challenge. And so, therefore, what we found out when they got out and we started matching with them, we – forgot that it became so overwhelming for these people to be able to deal with the day-to-day issues that even trying to put someone in their lives and have them to say, hey, hope, don't do this and don't do that, we found that it was probably more great of a challenge. Now, it does work, don't get me wrong, but the fact of the meeting is the challenge was greater. So we found that if they start from a pre side, they begin to start developing this relationship and this trust and understanding the dialogue and how this individual mentor is communicating and how the mentee is communicating back. And once they get released, um, then it's a better transition that will take place. Now, how we go about matching is, is that we we look at the gender, age, hobby, uh, of interest, uh, uh, and also we. I want to make this clear, too, is that we do not – uh, work with non-violent offenders. I mean, we don't work with violent offenders. I'm sorry, only non-violent offenders. Those who may have a third-degree felony, like a check theft or credit card or something of that nature. So we match them up based on those particular areas and demographics as well, because we definitely want them to be able to make sure that they can get there to where they live at. So that that and then we take these mentors through a, a training. Uh, a six hour training And then we bring them back Three months later Do a retraining uh, And then what we do is We uh, have a mentor And mentee fellowship Just kind of share Each other's experiences And hopes that we've had With one another And uh, and see how we can be able To be a help to them
2: Alright, alright That sounds like That's a, quite a, uh, a quite a program there, And I see the success rating That you already shared with us is real high because I see the care that's involved in that. Now uh, uh Jane then we uh now you had said earlier that that inmates that you are dealing with are non offenders which is a great thing and that's a good thing for the churches and anyone to know that that hey you don't have to be concerned with this person going off the deep edge or anything. But uh I but I just wanted to uh for you to share with us about the uh, mentoring portion of that, how important it is to have a, uh, uh, for those guys, uh, young men that's coming out of here, to have a mentor with them. You sure uh, with them? Because you share that with It's important
3: because what we found is, too, is that mentoring uh, can be a way of uh, holding these people accountable to the very things that they need to accomplish while they get out. And also, it could be important because mentoring becomes an advocacy. Mentors are advocating on behalf of these people because these mentors can have the ability to speak with people or come into existence with information that they may have not be privileged to have. And then once their mentor has an opportunity to watch them and to see how they're making progress, they can be able to speak to people about getting jobs and given opportunity for work development programs, those kind of things. And it also helps them to be able to get connected to a good church. Uh, The mentor would would, would come to him from a spiritual side. And and what we don't want to do is that that the mentor always make decisions for the mentees. We want the the mentors to help with the process of making decisions. And what we found out is that when – Those individuals begin to start spending more time cultivating their relationship. um, We find too is that um, it has a great impact in in, in recidivism as well, uh, where people wind up staying out of prison because they've made a connection with some people who really have become stakeholders to them. They have invested their time and effort in order for them to be able, and they believe in these people and understand that these people are really in positions of opportunity. And so that's what we think how important mentoring is. It's so important because the Bible talks about the relationships of what mentoring is all about. It's, script- it's scripture, and that there was accountability in the, in the lives of all of the, the, the men that God was working with and who God had with um, in the Bible.
2: Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And I'm I'm glad to see that this program is making a difference. Now, James, on the flip side of this here, as the guys that went through the program and they started being able to be reunited in society, have you saw them uh, uh, coming back and been a part of that program, or can they actually be a part of what what they've been exposed
4: to?
3: Uh, Great question. Uh, Yes, we've seen uh, where men have gone through this process and now, have reached back, and I want to say this, is that I myself, uh, I have a a history of uh, being a heroin addict for 18 years, and uh, I've been out of prison now for 26 years, and one of the very things that I said to God was, was that, Lord, that um, I'm going to die so these brothers can live. In other words, that I was going to make a commitment to go back and get those brothers that I left behind and i and I and this is one of the messages that I certainly make it very clear to all our program participants, all our inmate program participants, about the goal in mind is to get yourself prepared to get ready to come back and come back and get the brothers that you left behind
0: because right.
3: we see the impact of what it is that when these people come back that that they can tell their stories and tell their testimonies about their social and economical struggles and spiritual struggles that they've had, but yet they've persevered and allowed them to be able to come back and be able to help them. Now, in order for them to do that, right now TDCJ has just changed the policy where it used to be they had to wait for 18 to 2 years now. But now TDC has changed the policy that they can wait for 9 months and come back in. But with the mindset of they have to show. They have to show TDCJ through someone like a pastor or or, or, or a mentor or someone to indicate what impact have you had since your release in your community, in your church, with your family, and your workplace, and in your spiritual development life. So if you can show that as a result of them, they're willing to open the door and let us come back
2: in there, all right, that's a blessing there now. now jane and now, uh, do y'all have something in place just as a uh, uh appreciation to show the uh ex offenders and the mentoring that you appreciate what they're doing? Do you put together a banquet or we have a picnic or yearly? or What is y'all doing on the social side to uh the you know to bring about a a fullness of a individual Wow that's
3: man y'all tell you're hitting some some good questions here man um we I, I tell you what, we, what, what I found out was
0: I got very frustrated. Fios is not cable. We're wired differently, which means you can get the fastest internet available with equal upload and download speeds from 50 to 500 megs. <laughs> so you can upload 200 photos before your favorite song is finished. Click the ad and switch to Fios today to get our best offer ever.
2: Hello, Hello. welcome. Hello, welcome to our weekly internet program. I'm your host, Minister Joy Lewis, and you're listening to Free on the Inside. Internet program to inform you, to encourage you, and to challenge you to be all you could be, to challenge you to make a difference in, in the neighborhood, in your uh, community, in this, in your town, to challenge you to apply your gift and your skills to help change a life. That's our logo, help change a life, but not just any life. Help change a life in Jesus' name. This morning we have a guest on the program this morning. He's no stranger to our Internet program, Dr. Michael Fleming. Uh, this morning our topic is about criminal justice reform. Minister Fleming is working very diligently with the Faith in Texas, a multiracial faith movement for social justice.
0: files is not cable. We're wired differently, which means you can get the fastest Internet available with equal upload and download speeds from 50 to 500 megs. So you can upload 200 photos before your favorite song is finished. Click the ad and switch to files today to get our best offer ever.
2: Hello,
1: welcome
2: welcome to our weekly internet program. I'm your host, Minister Joel Lewis, and you're listening to Free on the Inside, internet program to inform you, to encourage you, and to challenge you. To be our, you could be to challenge you to make a difference in in the neighborhood, in your uh, community, in this in your town. To challenge you to uh, apply your gift and, and your skills to help change a life. That's our local help change a life, but not just any life. Help change a life in Jesus' name. This morning we have a guest on the program. This morning he's no stranger to our internet program, Dr. Michael Fleming. Uh, this morning our topic is about criminal justice reform. Minister Fleming is working very diligently. With the Faith in Texas, a multiracial faith movement for social justice, faith movement is a part of PICO National Network. PICO stands for People Impacting community Through Organization. Uh, PICO is a nation's largest network that develops civic leaders in low and moderate income, faith-based communication, economic, and racial justice. At this time, we have Dr. Flemons on the line. Good morning, Dr. Flemons. And we'll bring him up in just a second here. Good morning, Dr. Fleming.
4: Uh, good morning, Minister Lewis. How are you?
2: Well, I'm doing great. Thank you for being a guest on our weekly inlet program. I just did a little short interlude on on the, um, a program in the ministry which you're a part of. Will you give us more information on the faith in Texas?
4: Well, let me give you some background on why faith in Texas has uh, become necessary. Um, you know, we're living in, 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 a, in a a time uh, or a day and age in which you would think that many of the problems that we've had uh, in the past uh, as they relate to, you know, racial inequality, uh, you know, widespread discrimination, um, a lack of respect for one another and church and God, that those things would have uh, long come to the truth uh, in terms of um, um, their value, uh, and that we would be a, a, a people of one nation, uh, one cause for the common good of all men and women, and forming uh, viable communities. But unfortunately, that is not the case. And I guess in some respects, uh, the Bible speaks to that when it talks about in the last days, Many would wax cold and they love one another, and uh, we will become, uh, you know, uh, treacherous and murderous, and and uh, lovers of money and things, as opposed to uh, uh, our fellow human beings. And that uh, the only difference, and the only way we're going to have uh, the ability to make a difference, is by the church. Um, being a light and, and being salt, um, we're called to to be a unifying agent. And until we fulfill that role, we're going to continue to have problems. And which one of the problems are we talking about? What are we talking about when 90% of the white people in America who take the um, implicit association test and express an inherent racial bias for white people? Versus black people, and they're not even aware of it. When young black teenage men are being shot and killed by white police officers, and it triggers, uh, you know, extraordinarily intense social commentaries about racial tension in communities, such as the what took place in Ferguson, Missouri, and and uh, more recently here uh, in Dallas, when mentally. Unbalanced individuals, be it a young white man or a black man, who are sitting quietly in their church or school, and then someone comes in and <laughs> kills them, shoots them. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a tumultuous time um, when it's not safe. It's not safe for our families. It's not safe for our children, and it seems like chaos is becoming the rule. So. What needs to take place? Well, the first thing, there needs to be a new national conversation about race. And we need to be willing to acknowledge that we do have a a, a racial problem and that we have a system in place that seems to favor one segment of our population and deny large segments of our population, which happen to be people of color, black, brown, uh, red and so forth So what do we do Well We need to stand up And when I say we I'm talking about the church So Faith in Texas As you mentioned Is a a Coalition of Faith based uh, organizations Congregations Who recognize That until you As a body of Christ Come together okay, And represent uh, the kingdom of God, and to manifest the power of God by manifesting the knowledge, the understanding of how to use the knowledge to a way that we can address the social ills that are so pervasive uh, in our uh, society. And and
2: so that is so true, doctor. At
4: That is so true.
2: And, You know, as, as you will give you I'm a pause here for a minute, and you were saying something that I really was thinking about how we should be able to use those two the social injustice that we're that we're seeing and that we're experiencing. I'm talking about as a as a society. It's nothing new. These things have been going on for quite a while. But now, since we have better we are better equipped to handle these things. I'm saying that we could go out and and and, uh, and go to our leaders and hold people accountable. At one time, we couldn't hold anybody accountable. But now, since we can, we ought to make full use of these uh of uh of the information and the skills that we have and I like what you're doing and some of the things that you're doing because at one time uh as a matter of fact not one time but you're very uh instrumental in helping ban the box in certain areas uh, w- uh would- you be able to share that with us regarding ban the box well
0: when
4: we talk about ban the box uh we are uh, are, are attempting to address the continued uh, systemic uh, disenfranchisement of segments of our population that are deemed inexpendable. Uh, and yes. what we're talking about is the over-representation of people of color in, uh, in the correctional system, specifically uh, as it relates to being incarcerated. And uh, when those individuals are, are taken away from their families and taken away from their communities, right, there is a significant loss, loss of human talent, and also the financial and economic impact. Upon return, you would think that these individuals, after having served their time, would be uh, uh, embraced and allowed to re-enter society and um, become gainfully employed and, and, and begin to contribute once again uh, to the well-being of our communities, and particularly our, fa- our families. But unfortunately, that is not the case. We don't seem to be a nation of of forgiving people anymore, who allow second or maybe third chances. Individuals return with the mandate that they get a job, that they can contribute towards their family's well-being. And in many instances, that means child support or or on on um restitution, various other kinds of uh, financial debt and demands upon their life. Yet, uh, <laughs> less than one quarter of those individuals are able to um, secure employment uh, or or the other basic necessities that go with uh, uh, reintegration, such as insurance and so forth. And one of the primary reasons for that is a question on the application that asks if you are a convicted felon, And if you answer yes to that question, unfortunately, you, most of the time you will not get an interview. And that application may wind up... Um, being trashed, and so yes. the economic yes. impact on our communities and on our families, and particularly the 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 um, collateral impact upon our children, and and the fact that research shows that uh, when returning individuals are denied equal access to jobs, housing, and so forth, the children of those formerly incarcerated individuals are three to five times more likely to commit a crime. Uh, to wind up uh, with uh, uh, less education and um, uh, a poor economic and financial uh, future. So we've been working uh, locally and with some national organizations in trying to uh, address that. And there have been some good news and some successes. We know that there are about um, uh, 23 states now that have uh, passed legislation that uh, ban the box, and yes. there are two uh, cities here in Texas, Austin, and most recently uh, Dallas County, has passed uh, a local ordinance that prohibits uh, the asking of a question until such time that you're actually considering offering an individual job, at which time then you can do a background check and use the information that you're able to obtain only as it relates to the job in which the individual is, is applying for. For instance, if you are applying for a, a job in the financial sector you know, as a bank teller or something, and you have a history of, um, of, of criminal activities or convictions related to financial issues, then that information could be used uh, in determining whether or not that's a good match. But if you, for instance, have a, a drug possession, you're um, applying for a job, uh, in a warehouse, or you're applying for a job at, at a supermarket, <laughs> of, or you're applying for a job as a, a salesperson in a car lot or a department store, then there may not be any correlation between your conviction and the responsibilities related to that job. And so, why should it be used to continue to penalize you and punish you long beyond uh, the, the the completion of your sentence? And so, it is our intent that we can somehow or another influence um, federal legislation and as we begin to work here in Dallas with the private community and private businesses in implementing uh, those kinds of policies that will uh, uh, encourage the uh, uh, interviewing and the consideration of employment for formerly incarcerated persons. And once we're able to do that, we believe that it will go a long way toward addressing some of the increasingly high rates of recidivism with formerly incarcerated persons, and it will uh, provide the economic seed uh, for strengthening our communities and particularly in strengthening our families.
2: All right, but we're going to just pause here for a minute for a space identification. You're listening to Blog Talk Radio. With Mr. Lewis is your host, and you can join the conversation with the number three one zero nine eight two forty one twenty six. We're talking with Dr. Michael Flemings about criminal uh, justice reform. We ask you to call in to voice your opinion regarding this very uh, hot topic here, because uh, we all uh, know someone that's maybe acutely, uh, wrongly convicted. So this is an opportunity to uh, get more information and be a part of this great organization. Faith in Texas, and we have a call on the line here. This is our co-host, uh, Brother Daniels. He's on the line here. Good morning, Brother Daniel. Good morning, Lewis. Welcome to our program. We have Doctor. Flemings on the line here, and he's uh, giving us a, a lot of information regarding criminal justice reform. So we're just going to sit back and relax and enjoy what he has to share with us. Do you have any questions for him at this time? If not, we'll come back. Yeah, I'm going to cover questions. Go right ahead, he's on the line
1: Okay, Dr. Fleming You know what happened yesterday With this uh, case Between uh, that dude that was over The Black Lives Matter uh, uh, Organization In Dallas Uh, He he went downtown And he got arrested And they found out He had other charges on him So uh, I'm saying that if the people that organized these, uh, that organization knew that he had a a background behind him, why did they let him lead this this march and put himself in the scrutiny in front of all these people to uh, to just make just like it was mocking mocking things? You know what I'm saying? You put a guy that's that talking about. Uh, 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 Don't do anything wrong, and you got this guy, he got a history of child abuse. Uh, Dr. Fleming, you know I mean? I mean, if you're doing something, you got to go, you got to almost be squeaky clean every time you go in for, for these people because they're going to have background checks and look for you for the first time that you were born, you know, all the way back to time. You know, and, 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 and really... It's really a serious thing because, you know, the media nowadays they they take everything and just escalate it, you know.
4: So what's your
1: opinion on what happened yesterday?
4: Well, you know, I haven't um, had a chance to to, to review or look at the specifics, but let me just say this in general. Uh, Having a background... Uh, doesn't necessarily preclude anyone uh, Being uh, involved in community advocacy and, and justice reform And having charges uh, Aren't necessarily convictions and, you know, and I don't know what the case is uh, With this particular division uh, But I know that in this country uh, There have been many individuals Who have been in the forefront Advocating for social and justice reform who had uh, backgrounds and who had arrest records that were primarily related to the system and its attempt to defame and and, and to um, 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 diminish uh, the power and capacity of uh, change agents. Okay. And I'm not saying that this gentleman's charges or past convictions aren't justified. I don't know. But I also know that oftentimes what we get uh, through the mass media isn't necessarily reflective or indicative of the whole truth. And uh, our mass media and our public media is basically in the hands of a few private, powerful people. And the news that's also presented today is a caricature, which means it's used to sensationalize ratings, and it's also used by the powers of the beast, as I said, to Undermine uh, the 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 power and the viability of particular individuals in Kansas who are attacking the system. So, you know that's that's kind of my take on it. Um, now, this guy, I don't know him, and I know that that there's been some speculation, um, about whether or not he should be a, a you know, in the forefront, but squeaky clean people. Um, uh, don't necessarily exist anymore uh, uh, in, the, in what we call the the, um, the field of... Okay, you know, the okay. I, I got another question for you now.
1: You know, just, um, a couple of days ago, we had a mm-hmm. district attorney, a lady, mm-hmm. and Susan Hawks, she has drug use. It's been going on for about a year. She's been halfway coming to work. She was going to work. she was going to cases she was going trials she was uh i guess she was working. I guess she was working on cases and they were sending people you know sending some people up onto her. so what do you think um upon what happened? do you think some of those guys that she sent to jail should be having have retrials because of well, her yeah.
2: Now, brother really Daniel, say, now it was yeah. a, allegedly br- a drug use. Now, you know, they say she had a mental case, a mental issue a mental that she was case. dealing with, and so it wasn't a right. drug issue that they per se. They said it was mentally, in, you know, imbalanced there. So, well, she did have that job, and I don't know how much work she was able to perform because they said said she missed a she lot of days of work. She, she but go exactly ahead, Doctor Fleming, yeah. and address that. Oh,
4: she didn't. Uh, she didn't. Um, um, Handle uh, any um, uh, trial. Uh, um, Most of her time was actually spent uh, in treatment and hospitalization. Yes. And her primary problem was depression uh, and um, uh, 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 I think it's bipolar depression. But she recently resigned because she recognized that she can't um, focus on her own mental health needs and at the same time uh, run or uh, oversee uh, the district um, attorney's office. But most of the cases and most of the actual day-to-day operations is handled by uh, her uh, assistant. Assistant. Uh, who is the person, yeah, who, who handles and runs the office. That's the person who our uh, governor will probably uh, uh, select to complete okay. the The governor is over everything now. Well, the governor's not over there, but the governor, uh, as a result of being uh, the you know the, the, the head of state, uh, is responsible for selecting a replacement uh, when mm-hmm. the district uh, in our counties um, are unable to finish their term. If she had resigned about eleven days ago, that would have been a special election, and in all likelihood, a Democrat would have been elected. But since she waited. And I'm sure she did that at the prompting of the governor and other folks. Yeah, oh, like that. Oh, The governor can appoint someone, and all like that. we report. Uh, appoint uh, a Republican uh, district attorney, okay. and that's probably the only right. office in in Dallas, for the most part, that uh, is occupied by a Republican, because that office has been, a, you know, a Democrat for many, many years. But, you know, I don't want to focus on, on some of these individual cases. but I want to talk about what needs to be done. See, the Bible tells us that when when the wicked, and that means when the people who don't believe in or accept a theocracy, that is the rule by God that uh, his word and his principles uh, become the standard for life. If we assume that there's a maker, that God created all things, and he said it was good, and then he Put it under the domain of man. And they said, when the righteous are in positions of authority or in rule, the people rejoice because there's an understanding that none of it belongs to us. It all belongs to God, and we're stewards, and we're here to use our talents and our time for the common good of all men. But when people don't respect God and the focus is on man and his ability to get positions, to gain positions, then that's wicked. And we can't expect to have anything other than what we got. And part of that is a because there are too many Christians, there are too many congregations, there are too many pastors, yeah, who are satisfied with being in a church building on Sunday and proclaiming the gospel. And get me wrong, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with preaching the gospel and proclaiming the gospel because it is the way that we get people into the kingdom of God under the theocracy rule of God that then makes a change in life so that it is preserved the way God intended to be. But when we abdicate that role, when we're not aware of what's going on, when we don't form coalitions, when we're divided between Baptists and moderate Baptists and Methodists and non-denominationalists and we're only concerned about our house and our well-being, there's the world of go-ahead. And so faith intentions about. It's, it's, and that it's, is so true, doctor. Up.
2: That is so true.
4: And let people know we've been praying. And you know, I'm a part of of, of many faith based organizations. I've been involved in um you know many uh ministerial alliances and I see <laughs> people fervently praying for God to break ghosts and for God to take the taste of alcohol out of the mouth of individuals suffering from addiction and for God to move people uh, uh, from, uh, you know, addictions and prostitution. But somehow, somewhere, we're missing the boat because it tells us clearly in the book of Isaiah and the book of Matthew that we are to, to break the yoke of oppression, that we are to set the captives free, that we are God's ambassadors, we are God's uh, deliverers of justice and mercy and so forth. God says in the book of the, uh, Jeremiah that he must brag. Don't brag about your wealth, about your, 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 your knowledge and, and, and your um, strength and your power. But you must brag, brag and boast about this, that you know and understand me and that I delight in justice, righteousness, and mercy. Those are three common truths. Uh, uh, and we call those God's transferable attributes, the things that God can give us. See, God can't give us His omnipotence. Uh, his omniscient and his I'm not present, Okay, because that's what makes him God and God alone. Be everywhere, to know everything and to do everything. But justice, mercy, and righteousness and so forth, those are transferable characteristics and attributes that he wants to instill in us so that we become indicative and reflective of God. That we have the ability to to go and to impact lives and to impact communities to transform them into what God and initially intended them to be, but that requires us to to lower walls, to open doors, uh, to dare to step across boundaries, and to take hands. And I'm not just talking about Christians. That our ability to to work across faith lines, to work with Muslims, to work with Jews, to show people that that we believe in the common good for all mankind, and then to put uh, our bodies online. We have a thing that that, that that one of my initiatives it talks about, you know, uh, body, balance, and book. <laughs> and people ask, well, what is that? Well, body is our being, it is our lives, it is our experiences. All the things that make up who we are, our biases, the good things and the bad things, but it all helps us understand. And each of us have some differences, some of our experiences. And so forth, but when we recognize that we come together and we put our bodies, we put ourselves in a position, as God says, "I look for someone who would stand in the gap that I may pardon the land and pardon the people, but I can find So His Son came and stood in the gap for us to serve as example. So we must, you know, position ourselves where people are in need, like my my brother and Minister Lewis. You know, it's well known within the community in the network that, you know, Lewis puts his body where it needs to be and that he, you know, adequately works on trying to get other people to position themselves where there are people who are hurting and lost and lonely in need of a, a touch of, of healing from God and so forth. And then the second one is ballot, which means we do live in a country that has a uh, a, a democratic process in place uh, that is built around uh, you know, uh, our ability to vote so that we can have a government that is ruled by the people of the people for the people and when we don't understand that and don't know how to utilize our system and come together collectively then we can't really have any power or any influence when we start talk, talking about the common course and dialogue about the issues that really impact us and our children and our children's children. And so we believe that, that the time is right. God says that he makes everything beautiful this time. Time now for, for faith people not only stand up, but to begin to collaborate and to talk about uh, how we as a group, as a body, can begin to impact our system by getting involved and trying to to put people in positions who share our values and ideals, or at least let the people who are in positions of authority know that we're going to hold accountable and and that we have the power to remove them out of office and put someone in. That's all we talk about. That
2: is so true. uh, We
4: both Doctor. Yeah, that
2: is so true. As you were sharing those things, I was thinking how important it is for us to be actually and involved in people's life. You know, we didn't get to where we are by ourselves. Someone encouraged you. Someone encouraged me, and someone encouraged uh, Brother Daniel to be all they could be. And it it would be right for us to uh, get some form of success or comfort in life and not to look back and help our brothers through the uh, legal system, through finances, through education. You know, uh, Jesus said, when you are restored, you to uh you know you to help your brother. And in the sense that, hey, when we get out of this I'm going
4: overt and we saw it and we recognized it. But today racism has become more systemic. It, it has become part of what we call the, the, the way of life. And, it is, and it's so subtle that we don't recognize it. There's still an attempt